welcome to the Game Raven Review Podcast. My name is Henry J, and I'm joined by some of our talented writers to discuss the world of indie games. Uh, we have Taz here today. Hello. We have Brotuzak here again for the third week in a row, I think. Nope, I skipped a week, but I'm back again, baby. I'm back again. Nice. And Puppet, of course, is here. Hey, yes, I am. So on this week's podcast, we're going to talk about the rise of indie horror, a genre I know nothing about, but Puppet is a, an expert. So we'll talk about that as well as what we are playing in a brand new segment, Question of the Week. We'll be right back with what we are playing right after this. Stick around. This is what we are playing this week. Whether it's indie or not, we play a ton of games. So, Brotuzak, what are you playing this week? Okay. All right. Start things off. So, uh, I was recently gifted a game by uh, one of my streamer friends, viewer guys, really cool dude, uh, Fizz Beef. He was like, you like roguelikes, all this stuff. This one's one of those ones where you go in, and if you die, you pay, basically restart from the very beginning with an entirely new character. So this one's called Rogue Legacy. I'm excited to play this one, or I've been excited to play it, because there's a second one coming out, I think, in the next couple of months or so. And uh, just a really cool like idea, the way it is. You kind of have a little skill tree. Every time you go into the dungeon, castle, different areas, you get gold, and then you level up your skill tree, and then you get a little like, better, and you can go further into the castle or the the separate areas within the castle. And uh, the next one was Blue. That's B-L-U. It was a really pre-alpha game that was like, it's a 2.5D side-scroller. I thought it was pretty cool. It's, it's a little buggy, obviously, for an alpha game, but I really enjoyed it. There was a, there's a free two-hour demo on Steam right now. So... If you're into like 2.5D samurai side scrollers, definitely pick that one up. I really enjoyed my couple hours playing that one. I like the look of blue. Yeah, it it's looks really a, good. Yeah, yeah it's got it. a very neat art style. Different from what I've seen with like kind of, I guess, Metroid Roguevania type deals. So I really liked the. Uh, they're kind of going out on a limb, making it the 2.5D, I suppose. I haven't really seen a whole lot of that. For sure. Uh, Puppet, what are you playing? You're playing Rogue here, another Rogue game. Or game yes. with Rogue in the title. Well, this, one, this one's a little different. I played this one with Puppet and Taz, actually. Oh, okay. Yes, Rogue, rogue Heroes happened. Um, me and Taz and Brotusak got to play rogue, rogue Heroes together last night, and that was super fun. Um, I didn't know what to expect with uh, Rogue Heroes, um, but I actually really enjoyed it, um, especially it's um, – oh, God. Okay, so Rogue Heroes is um, a little uh, RPG, and it you're basically like this little hero who um, goes through dungeons, and um, you just clear rooms, and you fight bosses, and you're just – this little adorable character and you can play it with your friends. So we um, all played it together and um, I had a good time. So I, I actually enjoyed it. Um, aside from rogue heroes, I 
also got to play. So on Friday nights, um, you know, we've all switched over to um, streaming our indie nights on the Game Raven uh, Review Twitch channel. So if you guys are interested in seeing all of us streamers in one place, we are now on uh, one Twitch account, the Game Raven Review um, channel, and that's been super fun. So on Fridays, I have decided to choose just three different demos to try out. And this Friday, I did all demos from the um, Nintendo Switch that are just demos, free demos that are available um, for all of us to try. And um, the first one that I played um, was called Dry Drowning. And um, Dry Drowning is like a visual novel, but it's done very differently. Um, like the way the text is and the way that you interact with the environment was very different. And I don't know how else to describe it aside from it's, it was just refreshing. It was very refreshing. So in Dry Drowning, you are a detective and of course you're trying to solve a mystery. And, um, you're also just trying to figure out who the people are around you and, um, who you're dealing with. And there's also a lot of heavy history and politics and all that jazz and, it's just a, it's, it's a great, yeah, it's, it's a great and refreshing um, visual novel game. That was really fun. Um, another game that I tried on Friday was called Coffee Talk, which I first encountered at iWoCon, um, but I actually um, jumped into the demo on Friday, and it's another visual novel. Um, and it is by uh, the Indonesian studio uh, Tog Productions, or Toj Productions. And um, it I think it recently came to the Nintendo Switch, um, and they do have a free demo that you can try. And uh, in Coffee Talk, you're basically a barista who is hanging out at your coffee shop, and um, it's such a great cozy game because you just sit there and you just talk to people. And this game, what drew me to it is that it's actually based in Seattle, like in a Seattle coffee shop. Oh, yeah. I remember this. It's like set in the near future. Yeah, well, like 2060s, I think so. We have a couple years out, but um, yeah, and it like it's Seattle, but you have like elves and you have like different mytholo mythological creatures, and um, but they're like humanoid, and so they come into your shop and you like learn about them, and like it's super fascinating. And even in the short bit that I played in the demo, like. There is so much commentary on our social structure and like also um, the experience of um, like just being different than what society expects you to be. So like I I'm speaking from um, a, a place where like, OK, so I I'm polyamorous, which is not generally like accepted in a lot of the communities that I grew up in. And so a lot of the experiences that were being talked about in this game, I have had myself, especially when it comes to family and coming out to your family and how to navigate those kinds of like awkward conversations and like having to choose between the person you love and your like birth family or your family of origin. And so I was just very impressed with this game and the way that they just talk about these stories and how you immerse yourself in these stories. And you're just like standing there in a coffee shop and making coffee and it's raining outside and it's super cozy, but you're also like experiencing these, these, like, I don't want to say people cause they're not all people. Like you have like um, different creatures and different species and they, how they interact with each other. And it, it's just like, um, it's such an interesting way to view 
um, what it's like to live in a big city and to encounter different people from different backgrounds and how they all meld together and the experiences of just like, I don't know, yeah, being different in the world. So that was very cool. Highly recommend Coffee Talk. Such a great game. Um, And the third one that I played was called Grim Valor. Completely different from the two visual novels. Um, And I didn't know how I was going to like this game either because it's like a hack and slash action platformer type game. And I actually had a really great time. Like, I think like this game has kind of made me think, oh, wow, I kind of want to start streaming a little more like hack and slash games or like platformers because it's so challenging and yet also like has the right amount of like um uh it's it's challenging but it doesn't you don't feel like you're drowning right like you still feel like you're achieving something and that you're like getting through the story um and it was just it was really fun so that was grim valor and um it is by dire light um and dire light is from uh finland so that's cool. They're a little small team from Finland and they did a fantastic job on this game. And again, you can totally get the demo for free on the Switch. So, um yeah, that's kind of that's the new ones this week that I've tried. Yeah, I was looking at Grim Valor. That one actually looks really good. I want to play that one. Yeah, I thought I I actually thought you would like that one a lot. Um yeah, it's it's I think you did send great. me the link, but that one I might want to play that one later. Yeah, do it. Very worth it. Taz, you and I are both in the world of Monster Hunter. How is your yeah. Monster Hunter world experience going? Uh, it's going great. Um, after having some conversations and like doing some research, I had I I realized I'm playing the game on easy mode. Um, because when Iceborne is that what's called? The new, the yeah. New DLC? yeah, Iceborne. Yeah, oh, yeah. So when that came out they dropped like a bunch of free i don't even have the dlc but like for the base game um they dropped a bunch of like free content like uh, like full-on defender gear and defender weapons and things like that oh you have the baby armor on yes which Um... i didn't realize i'm like oh this game's easy like i don't understand and and it wasn't until i real like i i did some of like arena event where like oh you have to like choose your choose which setup you want out of these three i'm like okay like i'll just pick whatever and my like my health was a little itty bitty. My stamina was a little itty bitty. Like I was getting rocked and I'm like, yo, this is fun. This is real Monster Hunter. I am playing it on baby mode. <laughs> um, I mean, that doesn't still like it, it's still a fun game. Like anybody who says like playing games on easy mode isn't really gaming is, you know, are, it's not it's not what it's about. You know, it's about just having fun. Um, because I'm having fun. I'm having a great time. It does like make me want to buy the DLC and kind of because which is interesting in a, in a development standpoint of like, oh, like you want to replay the game before the DLC or like anything like that. Well, like here's a way you can kind of burn through the game, still have a good time to get to the DLC and then and which DLC has like an immense amount of content, um, which I kind of like that idea of like, say, like an like an MMORPG or like whatever, like, like just give me some gear so I can replay the game and kind of just cruise and have a good time because I've already done this a million times. So it's more of like for people who are trying to like replay the game um, or maybe like people like me are just getting into the Monster Hunter world, Monster Hunter world in general, 
you know so um i like it it's fun it's a good time i might take off the armor and like try to see what i can do and whatever but i've been playing with some some people online and it's been super it's been really fun it's been a really good time so dude i lo- i loved monster hunter world when i like played it right when it first came out and just i think i logged like a hundred hours in a week playing that game and then oh my maxed out yeah maxed out like everything i think because i was playing the vanilla version of the game that's what I always do. I was like, get the game, and then I just burn myself out on it. And then there are people like, dude, the DLC is coming out, and I'm like, yeah, I've already, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> put a lot of time onto the vanilla version of the game, and there's not much more for me to do. Where I was like, I think all of my skills were maxed. I forget how you did it. Like you had to get, you just had to keep killing uh, specific dragons to get this specific rare drop to make your weapons better. Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of where I fell off because I was like, I'm tired of this boss rushing. Yeah, the grind. Is just... Yeah, yeah, I get that's... it. Everything's a boss battle, which I do love. I, was, I think I mentioned that last podcast. It's just like it's a game where if you like boss battles, play Monster Hunter because every fight is a boss battle fight. Yeah, yeah I, I did like that. I like um, I like that they put that armor in there. It's like the same thing that like World of Warcraft does, where it's like, OK, like you you probably should go through the whole base game, but you're just going to get tons of experience and just like blast through the yeah. first 60 levels in like, you know, 15 hours or whatever to get, to get you to the point of the game where you're, you know, all the, all the cool stuff is happening where everybody else is. And, yeah, and yeah. I kind of appreciate that with the older games, just kind of catching you up to where you should be, where everybody else is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where you can I, hang. Yeah. Totally yeah, see. exactly. And it, and enjoy new content. Yeah, I like that they do that in uh specific games where like I said, you got to to get to where I was, I was like I had to play like 12 hours every day, you know, with mm-hmm. friends and just totally lose myself in the game and then probably still not even as crazy as the people that play you know, 18 hours a day. Yeah. Sleep, yeah, like a buddy of mine has days. like <laughs> 400 plus hours of the game and he just now started the like the dlc and so but it, it's just me yeah but it's cool because like i can still kind of sort of hang you know i'm there have a good time and just like keep up like henry said like it's been out for a while i just now started playing it a bunch of people have like hundreds of hours in this game but little baby armor helps me kind of progress a little bit faster than i normally would so it's, a, it's an interesting system it's it's a thing that they do to get you to actual part of the game yeah i have 33 hours on monster hunter world and i don't even think i've come anywhere near getting to the dlc so and i played with the baby armor the whole time so yeah yeah there's still a ton of content that you got to get through in order to to start playing iceborne uh which i never got to sadly and i probably never will because i'm an idiot man and decided to buy monster hunter rise even though i said <laughs> last podcast i wasn't going to uh my my world of warcraft classic uh run lasted about a day then i realized <laughs> that classic is dead if you are starting a new character it's pretty much impossible to find anybody to group with to run dungeons because there is no dungeon finder in world of warcraft classic so I was basically stuck at garbage armor. I couldn't complete any quests. And uh, it's like, what am I going to do? And I have no money, too, to go buy good armor. 
at the uh, auction house where all the prices are super inflated. So I was like, okay, Blizzard doesn't want me to play this game, but they will be more than happy to take my 15 bucks, which they did. And I wish I would have invested my $15 into Monster Hunter Rise, a game I said I would not be buying until next year. I don't care. I caved. I bought it. I'm having an absolute blast with it. It's so much fun. I got to play a little bit of it. I was uh, out sick, and I still don't really feel all that great from my second COVID shot. So uh, I had a wonderful weekend of just killing monsters uh, and feeling feeling gross. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I do like about Rise as opposed to World is that they cut out all the tracking that you have to do. You just run right in, and you just start hacking and slashing and collecting items and killing little guys and killing big guys and swinging your big freaking hammer around and just destroying everything. It's fantastic. It feels so good. It runs surprisingly well on the Switch. I haven't tried it online yet because uh, my one friend who has it is never on. But uh, yeah, hopefully I get and to try Nintendo it online. online isn't that good either. They are using an updated version of Nintendo Online, which I've heard is flawless. So oh, okay. that's just what I've heard. I haven't experienced it myself. Uh, but hopefully that's that's the case because, yeah, it would really suck if the online was uh, as bad as all the other Nintendo Online offerings have been. So, yeah, I Monster to, Rise. I, I highly recommend it. I wanted to bring up something really quick. We were talking about how... Uh, world of warcraft classics like dead and like blizzard is making it to where it's not easy for new players to play is that what runescape did is that they made old school runescape and they update it according to the players and they have a very small uh like dev team and they have a subreddit and they listen to what people say on there and actually implement those updates on there interesting and I, think that, I think that blizzard should you know take note of that to get new if they want new players to play classic because more people play old school runescape than runescape 3 which is like i guess in comparison like actual world of warcraft compared to like wow classic right i i think that i'm definitely in a minority when it comes to that because people and people enjoy that because that's what it was like you know yeah that, no, that's, i know that's what you mean part of the course but it it sucks for somebody like me who has already gone through it once and I just want to like enjoy classic, um, maybe not so much relying on other people. Like I love the dungeon finder; it was so nice because I could just queue up for a dungeon, and then I know that I would get into it. But instead, I have to sit there in general chat and, and type, you know, LFG deadline. LFG, LFG, <laughs> and, and like nobody's around 20, 20 because every. Yeah, because everybody's level 60 and they're running the same dungeons over and over and over again because Burning Crusade is coming out very soon. So that's the thing that kind of sucks. I guess I dumped my money into it uh, too too early and I should have just waited for Burning Crusade because everybody's going to be re-rolling characters anyway. Would have been much easier, but that's that's just me. I still love World of Warcraft Classic. It's still a fun thing to pop into and check out every once in a while, but... Uh, I felt like I definitely lit my $15 on fire. <laughs> so, yeah. You learned your lesson. I did. I did. <laughs> uh, any, anything else before we uh, transition over? No, let's do it. All right. Well, that's what we've been playing this week. Coming up next, our question of the week.
right, it's time for a new segment. The podcast has grown stale, so I decided to uh, add a Poochie type uh, segment to the that's a Simpsons reference. <laughs> oh, I, I, I was about to be like, uh, can you use that in a sentence? A different, a different sentence? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, if you remember Itchy, Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie, one of the greatest Simpsons episodes of all time. Uh, I decided to add a new uh, segment to the podcast, which is called Question of the Week. So what we do on our Discord, every single day, uh, we ask a brand new question of our Discord audience, and we get to chat back and forth about it. It's very fun. I enjoy answering those questions every day uh, when I see them. So, um, yeah, if you want to join our Discord, by the way, GameRavenReview.com is where you can go for that. And we decided, I decided, we decided to pull some questions or pull and question from the last week. And then uh, maybe we can answer it more in depth or answer it for the first time if we did not answer it on the Discord. So I found the most, um, the most interesting question for me, question of the week, is what is your favorite controller to use of all time? Well, I'll, I guess I'll start things off because there's... There's a lot of like controllers, but I think I found my most favorite one very recently because I just got gifted a PlayStation 5 controller to use for my PC, and it is the greatest thing I've ever held in my hands. Like everything is perfect and flawless. It's got a great hand feel. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like when you're talking about wine and it has a good mouth feel. It's the same kind of thing. <laughs> my <Same> God. Th- <laughs> and. You know, you can you can go back and think about, well, I would almost argue that uh, the NES controller could be a really comfortable controller to use. I, I like would say comfort over anything. And this is the most I'm holding it right now. Just talking about it, looking at it, pressing I buttons. Would, <laughs> I would say con- console controllers for uh, non rich people. So we're not talking about the PlayStation 5. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. It was a gift, okay? It was a gift. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I would say like old school controllers, I would go Super Nintendo. The NES yeah. feels nice, but the but the squareness, the rectangularness of it, it yes. gets a little bit hard to hold after a while, but the Super Nintendo yeah. had those nice curves that you could just kind of grab yeah. onto. You know, you can you really some, grab, you need something onto to grab onto. It. Something. Oh, like what about the <laughs> N64, yo? It has a space for all three of your hands. That's okay. Wait, what? (laughs) The one thing that I don't like about the N64 controller is I just don't know how to, like, hold it correctly, I feel like. Because it has three nubs. I know, for all three of your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Get good. Get good. You don't have an extra hand? You didn't grow an extra hand? Well, we won't talk about that today. True gamers have three hands. Somebody's not playing with power. <laughs> okay. Heart and soul. I see how it is. I'm getting bullied now. <laughs> Nintendo power. Uh, I know that somebody here is going to say the GameCube controller, and you're wrong. Uh, the GameCube <laughs> controller is garbage. Wow. <laughs> okay. Really? It tells wow. how you really feel. I hate it. I hate it. It, Wait, it feels bad. What? The triggers feel bad. It's bad. What? The triggers are controller. The part. No. Why are the all the other buttons so tiny except for A? I'm a grown <laughs> man a, with grown boy hands. Is the most important button. It's yes. stupid. Oh You're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, here's my argument for the GameCube controller. 
In my context, I grew up with Nintendo, meaning that I started with the N64 controller. And then I, after the N64 controller, suddenly there was the GameCube. And the controller was way better. And then after that, we had the Wii. So I had all of these controllers around me that were just terrible. And so I just fell in love with the GameCube controller because I was like, this is the best thing since sliced bread. And now we have the freaking Switch and you have to hold, you know, the little Joy-Cons on each side. Like, are you kidding me? What, what are you talking about? Um, and so now it's evolved into the Switch Pro controller for me, to be completely honest. So, so the, the best one of all time for saying. you? Of all time, for, for me, for all time, because I have, I drank the Kool-Aid, the Nintendo Kool-Aid, way young, okay? So that is my context. I'm not like you, you PC gamer, PS5 whatevers over here. Sony fanboys. Yeah, whatever, who got to grow up with your freaking nice controllers and stuff. All we got was like you know, the N64 and like the Game Boy Pocket and like all of that stuff. So my the hands have Pocket? hurt. Yeah, the Game Boy Pocket. That was my first console ever. Wow. Those are, I think those are pretty rare nowadays. Yeah. Well, like we weird... have like two of them. So, nice. but Puppet, all I'm, all I'm taking from this is that you have only associated yourself using garbage controllers. So all you know is garbage controllers. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, I will say that the Switch Pro controller is pretty nice. That one is good, yeah. I'm, that one's okay. It's very weighty, which I like. But yes. what I like to do with the Switch is that I take the Joy-Cons off of my little screen here, and then I can kind of like lay down, prop up the screen, and then I, my hands can be anywhere they want to be. I'm not restricted by... Very true, by, though. Yeah, I'm that not is restricted very by true. the controller. Because I... It's, you know, if you're like laying in bed or whatever, you want to have your hands underneath the blankets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, you can just have them on each side. You could also, like, I've seen people, like, lay down on their bed and look up at the ceiling, you know, projected. Um, it sounds painful. Hardcore yes. mode. Oh, hardcore. I was like, what? <laughs> what kind of bed do you have that it's painful? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's an Iron Maiden. Yeah. Wow. I mean, whatever floats your boat, my man. Cool. Anyway, so yeah, that's uh, that's where my um, you know whole uh, GameCube controller comment came out of, came from. Was I just have a context of having really terrible controllers? <laughs> Stacking the GameCube controller up against the PlayStation Two controller, there's like no, there's no competition. The PlayStation Two controller was way better, so much so that they kept it around for like three other generations. I mean, it's still kind of around. Yeah, the five is just a better version of them all. Yeah, yeah, it is. You Although I didn't really it. like the the PlayStation Four controller, felt a little bit too wide to me. I I actually I agree. I I use on PC. I use an Xbox controller just because it syncs easily with Windows, and I actually enjoy using the Xbox controller more. I have both of those controllers right in front of me, and I think the PS Four is actually a little less wider than the five. I have them like on top of each other, it looks like. Interesting. I've never tried the PlayStation 5 controller, but I do want to try it for that uh, crazy rumble that it has. If we ever are going to be in person, I'll bring it. 
We can all touch it together. We can all touch per- it together. Perfect. Yeah. Taz, what about you? What is your what is your yeah. favorite yeah, controller? Sorry. I'm like I'm like touching all of my controllers here, just like Dude, I'm just doing the science really quick. Um because I are we gonna rate this episode like explicit? I'm just wondering. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a this is a PG thirteen episode. I'm caressing all of my controllers right now, let me tell you. God. <laughs> they I need think, attention. Yeah, they they do. You need some love, you know. I get it. Um I think in my history, you know, I've always been a PlayStation person. I had the uh like the 10 like uh N64, that was okay. Um and then I transition I transitioned into the Xbox 360 when that came out. And you know, like I didn't think of anything of it. And upon my science right now, I think I realized cuz when I went to the PlayStation 4, I was also not a fan of it just like with the touchpad it just made it too wide. And I just it didn't it didn't sit comfortably in my hands, you know, and I also got like a gift from uh, for Christmas last year. It's the 8-bit dough SN30 Pro Plus, which is amazing. Love this controller. But I think what I love the most about Xbox controllers is is the analog sticks and like how it just naturally feels in your hand about it, because PlayStation controllers, the analog sticks are directly paired. Like the controller is very symmetrical. You know, those analog sticks are very much together. Whereas the X, the Xbox controllers, the D-pad and the left analog stick switch places, which almost feels more comfortable to hold. So I think I'm going to go with the crispy. I have the crispy white uh, Xbox One controller. So I'm going to go with that. I'm surprised it's not stained with all of your Cheeto dust. I don't. It's Dorito food. dust and Mountain oh, sorry. Dew. And Mountain Dew stickiness. Yeah, I don't eat food at my desk ever. I would say a modern controller for me would probably have to be the Xbox One controller. Um, although I do dock at points because it doesn't come with a lithium ion battery. You still have to use double A's, so you got to buy the battery charger pack oh, for yeah. it, which Worth I think that. in 2021 is the most ludicrous garbage that I've ever <laughs> heard of in my life. Uh, so I dock at points, but overall it fits my hand the best. Classic controller for me. It's a dark horse pick, but I think you had to be there to really enjoy it. And that is the Dreamcast controller. And here's the reason why, because of the VMU. The VMU was super awesome. It was a memory card that you plugged into the uh, the controller, read like a memory card, but had a screen, two tiny buttons, and a little tiny D-pad on it. And you could load mini games onto it and play them on the go. Like on the school bus, you could play your little Chow Garden game, and then when you got back to playing Sonic Adventure after school, you pop that bad boy in, and then your Chow has grown, and you can see it in the Chow Garden on the uh, on your TV. That was mind-blowing back in the day. PlayStation had something a little bit similar called the Pocket Station, but it never came out here in America. So the VMU and the Dreamcast controller will always hold a special place in my heart. Plus, it was the first one that had like analog triggers, and that was super cool back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. Uh, 22 years ago. <laughs> my oh, God. Oh. My God. Rest in peace, Dreamcast, the greatest console of all time. Just um, ahead of its time. It well, was. Can, can I complain about something before we leave this topic? Sure, of course. Okay, so as a Nintendo person <laughs> with Nintendo in my blood, um, it is very weird to use other controllers or to actually, sorry, to play games that are made for other controllers. And I 
I just because the main button for anybody who's played Nintendo, the A button is over on the right. But in a lot of like Xbox games and stuff, it's not there. It's somewhere else. And it's very strange. Am I the only person who's experienced this? I sometimes that happens, yeah. I get flipped around a lot and actually when I was playing Monster Hunter Rise, I had to <laughs> I'm getting old. I had to look down at the controller to make sure that X and Y were in the places that I remember them being and A and B were in the places I remember them being. I Because I've been playing stuff on PC for so long that it's A, B, X, Y, and then on the the Switch. What is it? It's B, A. It's B, A, Y, X. Yeah, it's B, A, Y, X. So it's completely backwards. But in Japan, in Japan, it's all the same. I didn't. I, I found this out a couple of years ago that PlayStation, it's it's uh, cross and circle and square and triangle, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Circle is accept and cross is no. Is is basically the back button is B in it Japan. It bothers me that you call it cross. It bothers that's me. That's what that is what it's called. The X button. I, I know. I know. They came. <laughs> they, Sony came out and said it's cross, but I can't call it cross. But they flipped it around for the u.s so we've been backwards for like almost 30 years really yeah well i mean i guess it's the same thing with cars why do they do that to us because circle is accept right you're accepting that and then Mm -hmm. the x is no i don't want that yeah the cross yeah (laughs) the more you know i wish i could put a the more you know graphic up right now but it's an audio podcast (laughs) You can wow. just put a G.I. Joe sound up or something. I could. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Wow, we really geeked out hard on this question. But I like this segment. This is a good segment. Mm-hmm. For those of you who are listening, if you liked this, um, we actually have a one question every day. It's always a different question in our Discord. And it is super fun to um, just see everybody's responses. So if you liked this segment, you should join us in our Discord. So you can experience the question of the day in Discord. For sure. And you can do that at GameRavenReview.com. There's a banner up at the top of the page. Just click that and you're on your way to our Discord. It would be fun chatting with you for sure. Coming up next is our main topic, which is the rise of indie horror. Frictional Games released yet another iteration of their Amnesia series, and it got me thinking about Amnesia and its influence on the indie horror genre, which you all know I love very much. And Henry called me an expert early in the podcast, but I will tell you, um, as I'm reading more and more about the indie horror genre in general, just horror games, the more I realize... I know nothing of this genre. <laughs> it is I such would say a- of recent, of recent, uh, and the rise, the rise of indie horror has been very recent. I say of of the recent rise, you are an expert in that field. But the history compared, compared to us too. Yeah, compared to us for sure. You're you're. This is your wheelhouse. This is your podcast. So I just I just want to give you more credit than what you're giving yourself for. I think that you're an expert. Therefore, you are. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. I- that's I appreciate that. Um, I will also comment on um, fun fact. 
I didn't want to be on this podcast. When Henry and I first started talk like when we first started talking about this podcast, um, I was like, that's great, Henry. You sound like you're super legit. Like, let's do it. Let me find other people to be on the podcast for you. And as it turned out, you know, I just ended up here. Here I am on the podcast. And I did not want to be on the podcast. And here's why. Because I, growing up, I didn't really get to game a lot. And it's the classic, I was a little sister. I had an older brother who gamed way more than I did. It was more socially acceptable for him to game and to experience video games. And so I am, yeah, just a classic example of a female gamer who missed out on years of gaming. And so it actually makes me really nervous to be here to talk about video games because there are times when I do get lost because I'm like, wow, I don't know anything about that game or that console or anything because I had very limited exposure um, because it was not it was not acceptable for me as a girl to sit and play video games. And um, I had an older brother who had friends who would bully me out of not playing. And it, you know, so anyway, I am here. And uh, what I mean by not being an expert is that the horror genre is so rich in history and how it's changed over the last 30-ish years. And um, I just have learned so much this week about the history of horror. And it's been absolutely wonderful. And um, anyway, with all that said, when I was playing Amnesia back in the fall, um, it just got me thinking about how I would love to have a podcast where we talk about the indie horror genre and how it's affected us as individuals and just how different the genre is from other um, other genres in the video game world. So here we are. We're talking about indie horror. Um, and so um, I thought maybe we could start with Taz. Um, you recently finished Alien Isolation. And Alien Isolation is an example of horror simulators, um, basically games that are designed to scare the individual and is a recreation of a horror movie or a novel. And that's kind of like where the genre, the horror genre started. And, um, you know, it started with games like Sweet Home, Friday the 13th, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and so on. So I wanted to ask you, Taz, about, um, you know, what your experience was with alien isolation um but first what what were your feelings about the um the horror genre in general before you played alien isolation um uh thank you i'm i'm proud to be i'm honored to be uh the professional of this um alien isolation was the one of the more recent horror games that i played but then before that because I started streaming and, and Puppet, I think it was your idea that I start doing a spooky Saturday um, because I do absolutely hate horror, horror things, um, but it makes up for good content. And so I started doing that. That's when spooky Star Saturday started, got created. Um, and I played a lot of games, a lot, a lot of horror games, each with their own kind of vibe of like what makes it scary. And <laughs> um, I think 
and and so with that i found kind of where my were which gameplay mechanics which which things worked for me personally as a gamer um alien isolation was an was it a great game a little too long for my taste um because towards the end it's it becomes tedious um i'm not a fan of horror games that are just tedious chores of a game i prefer walking simulators like um layers of fear one and two um where as the genre as the subgenre subcategory um of walking simulators you're just walking you're going and you don't have to go back and forth collect this thing put it over here run from this guy you're just going and it's kind of just like a roller coaster experience Whereas Alien Isolation was a little bit like that, but it also had you doing a million things and trying to not get eaten. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So you're saying Alien Isolation was a horror chore simulator? <laughs> yes, pretty much. Pretty like much. Because you had to freaking go everywhere and fix everyone's problems. And it's just, just like, you know, I'm just trying to get out of here. Alien Isolation uh, Animal Crossing crossover. Oh my yeah. gosh. Well, it is very true in a lot of horror games uh, like that one. Um, and it's very similar in Amnesia, the Amnesia games. There's always something broken that you're having to fix. There's always locked doors that you're having to find keys for. There's always freaking dirty bathrooms. I don't know why. I didn't. I, were there any dirty bathrooms in a- Alien Isolation? I'm actually curious. <laughs> um... No, only because it it it. I think it has something to do with. I I totally agree with you. Like for some reason, every bathroom is disgusting. Um, no, bathrooms were nice because you're on a spaceship. You're on a you know flying through the space, so everything's kept clean and tidy up until aliens showed up. So, but then again, the use of bathrooms was lacking because you might as well just pee your pants instead of taking the time to go to the bathroom, running away from an alien. <laughs> Uh, so okay also question like again i have not played alien isolation but i have heard a lot about it and it, it's uh it's a very important game in the um horror game world um so are are is there a way for you to defend yourself in alien isolation or are you just like running and hiding um y- yes kind of sort of yes um uh, which, by the way, shameless plug, I do have a YouTube video of my best jump scare moments on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. Um, so you can get a little look-see there. Uh, ha- yes, there's a way to defend yourself, unlike most horror games, where it's just like, all right, just run. Your character just doesn't know how to fight ever. Um, there's some ways you get, like, you get a flamethrower. You get uh, a pistol. Um, you get you can make Molotov cocktails and all those things. Um mostly just to scare the alien away not to i mean you, there's some there's some there's some humans that you have to kind of prob- probably kind of kill um to get out of your way because they're trying to kill you um also with like androids are trying to kill you a lot of things are cr- trying to kill you it's not just the aliens um so yes they're unlike most horror games it's more actiony there is ways to defend yourself uh, other than hiding, you can cause distractions using a, a little voice box to get the alien to go this way when you want to go this way. Um, so, yes, th- there is a variety of things you can do um, as a as a as a horror game protagonist. You probably have the most to your 
you know, you'll utility belt than most characters. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. That's, that's really interesting um, that you said that because uh, I think alien isolation was released in 2014. Right. I think. Um, And so it was, um, it was in the wake of, uh, you know, 2010s happened and Amnesia the Dark Descent was released. And before that, like in the later half of the 90s and in the early 2000s, from what I understand, um, the horror genre in general took a toward uh, like a turn toward action and survivor ho- survival horror, wh- like Resident Evil and so on. Like in games, you had ways to defend yourself and it was more about survival and you're like, killing things um i'm again here i am like i've never played any of the resident evil games at all uh has has anybody here played any of the resident evil games yeah yes okay resident evil 4 best one ever that's it oh my gosh i played the the first three i think i definitely played one and two and four yeah. Um, I, I think the scariest part about res- the first two Resident Evils was uh, the controls <laughs> because what? they're they're tank controls. So you press up and you move your guy forward, and then you press left and you turn in place to the left, and then you walk to the left. <laughs> this is My before, gosh. yeah, before analog sticks, right? So people were trying to figure out how to move in a three D space, and that added a lot of tension because it was hard to control your character. So you had, you know, zombies coming at you and you had to kind of figure out how the hell to move away from them. And you're like fighting these controls. I'm sure it wasn't as bad as it was, you know, um, back then. Yeah. (laughs) Everything was so new. You just kind of got gotten used to it. But if you go back and play those games now, the, that control scheme is very, very hard to get over. Um, but yeah, those games scared the crap out of me. That in Doom 3 was very frightening. Um, yeah, I'm not really a horror game guy, but yeah, Resident Evil, the hallway with the dogs in Resident Evil. If you know, you know. <laughs> it's one of the first scary jump scares. That's awful. Okay, what? Because I'm just, I'm fascinated by the psychology of horror games in general um, and how uh, they're set apart from other games in this way. Like, what can, is is there a way you can tell me exactly what scared you in those games? Like, what is it about those games that scared you? So in the original Resident Evils, when you would move through the mansion, there, there was a cutscene for every door. So you walk up to a door and there's a black screen and then there's like a 3D model of a door opening and then you go through the door. That was obviously to mask load times, but it was also there to kind of make you worry about where you're going and what is going to be behind that door. So there was like that element of of and just how spooky it all was. I mean, it was all really like the sound design is really well done. You only have like ammo is super scarce so you're mostly fighting zombies off with like your fists or like a melee weapon if you have ammo for a weapon it's a uh for like a gun it's few and far between and you have to like covet those resources uh same with healing as well is really hard to do so you're just trying to survive survival horror 
um yeah you're just trying to survive each room in each encounter and every time you go into a room a new room you don't know what is on the other side of that door if there's going to be dogs crashing through a window zombies <laughs> jumping down from the ceiling there might be a boss behind there so that was always in the back of your mind of like I'm going deeper into this and I don't know if I'm ready to face what's behind the next door. And that, I think that was the hook for Resident Evil. Okay, super fascinating. Because what I was reading about was, um, like, because I was trying to understand what was it about Amnesia the Dark Descent that makes everybody say this, like, turn the like indie horror genre back to its roots and it's like so influential on the genre and it's just changed everything and i'm like why are you saying this and from what i understand have you ever played amnesia the dark descent no i haven't and i think that this is a good bridge between the old school and the new school yes so um the difference in that game is that you are completely helpless you literally, you just have a lantern and you walk super slow. <laughs> There's no way to defend yourself at all. And so that's like, that is what it kind of made it very different from the other games. Like, I again, I have never played Resident Evil, um, but from all of the games that happened before it, there was some way you had like some way to defend yourself. But in Amnesia, you don't. You have no way. So if something comes after you, you are, you are SOL. Like, <laughs> and that's what I love about the Amnesia series is that, and and games like it is that it, um, it really hits the heart of what it means to be completely scared out of your mind and helpless. And I just, I crave that for some reason. It's the weirdest thing. And I think that's what makes me a horror nerd is just, I love being in, in positions where it's like, I might die and there's nothing I can do about it. I can just run and I can hide. So, <laughs> and I sound so, so crazy right now, but I definitely am not the only person who feels this way about the genre. Um, and from that, that's, that's what I understand about amnesia and how it completely changed the genre. Um, from there, you know, we've seen many other games that are like, you know, walking simulators and such that uh, Taz mentioned, um, where you are just a person who's like pretty much um, helpless, you know? Um, and I mean, I just recently played through, you know, little light, Little Nightmares and Little Nightmares too, like very similar. You have very little way to fight back. You are just this little kid who's like walking through this horrific place and you're trying to figure out what's going on. And that's like where the psychological part of horror comes in is like it messes with your mind and like it really hits deep on, you know, our primal need to feel secure and feel like we can fight back. You know, because we we all have like, you know, fight, flight um, or freeze, right? Like as our responses, I think there's a fourth one. But again, I'm not a psychologist, so I don't know what the fourth one is. But um, in these games, like, you, you know, you, the fight part is completely taken away. And for gamers in general, like we when we play through games, like we always have a way to fight back, right? 
And to have that taken away is just so fascinating to me. And and what it does to you psychologically and emotionally um, is just, I, I don't know. I just, I love it. <laughs> um, so like later on, we've, we've seen lots of games like this, right? And I think I also wanted to talk about um, another indie horror game that kind like came out back in, I think, September, and that totally took everybody by storm, and everybody was playing it, and it took me forever to play it, because I, again, I'm a hipster, and I'm like, I don't want to play that game, because everybody's playing it, although here I am playing Valheim all the time, so maybe not as much. Anyway, um, Phasmophobia. Uh, very much so uh, in the same way you are completely helpless. You go into a space and you have your friends with you, and you're all trying to figure out what this ghost thing is in in this room, and you have to take pictures of it. You have to get up close to it. Um, so it completely also like flips things around in that you're no longer running away from something that's scary. You're going towards something that's scary, and that's it's so interesting to me. And um, I have played it a couple times. Um, and was hoping some of the other Ravens who have played it more than me uh, could be on here with us. But um, I I wanted to know, I know, Brotuzak, you've played Phasmophobia. Um, and Taz, you have too. But both of you didn't seem super excited about it. Um, well, but I, I, got, wanted... I got you. I got you on this, on that question. Yeah, okay, go for it. You play Phasmophobia five times, ten times. It's all the same. You play once you played it five times. You're like, okay, I played this game. There's there's no new. There's nothing new to do. You pretty much go in. You figure out where the ghost is. You can like find different new clues and stuff, and that's kind of the only thing that changes. But mm -hmm. it's to me, it was like the same experience every time. Yeah. And I just I I just got I guess I just got bored with it. For I was like, okay, well, I already know what it is. The only the only thing that's going to change is when you play with new people. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the real, yeah, that's the real draw is that like, oh, we can play with our friends now because before it would just be me by myself in some kind of walking simulator or whatever. And I would just be scared by myself. But now I get to have my friends and we all get to be like terrified together. And, and that is fun. But I totally get what you're saying about like the um, monotony of the game, like after a yeah. while. And it sounds like to me, like you're the kind of gamer who is like, I like to figure out patterns. I like to figure it out. And once I know that, I want to move on to another challenge that I can figure mm -hmm. out. Whereas someone like me, I love the experience. I love the emotion something puts me through. I love um, the adrenaline rush of, of jump scares. And it's, yeah, I mean, to be honest, a lot, a lot of like horror games are very similar in that like you just see a lot of patterns, very much the same. But it's it's not because people who love horror in the way that I do, because everybody experiences horror differently, um, they're there for the experience of just being frightened to death, right? And so if it's the same thing over and over again, that's fine. We're going to keep going back to it because we're like, yes, I want to be afraid. I want to be scared. I want, I want to be like, afraid of what's around the corner and what my re reaction will be you know um taz did you did you play um phasmophobia i'm sorry i think maybe i remembered yeah, I, you i streamed it and i hated it <laughs> <laughs> not not because well, it was like oh super scary it was just first of all like when i played the game i pretty played it pretty early 
in the early access process. But like, I don't know. It just it just wasn't for me out of all the core games that I've played. Like, I could tell like right off the bat that this was it. This what I'm doing now is all that's ever going to have for now. I mean, sure, it's still early access. I'm sure further development. Oh, my God. Further development will happen. But I just I'm I'm not a I think that's just me as a player. Uh, I'm not a huge like share the horror experience with other players type of person. I kind of just like want to enjoy the ride solo. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. There, I was gonna also going to say one more thing, too, about kind of what else turned me off about Phasmophobia is that I've so I have done the thing where I've played it with different groups of friends. I think I don't know. I got to like level 10, which feels like it takes forever to level up in the game. But we would be it, normally in the I think in the tutorial, it says it's like, oh, OK, ghost stuff starts happening within five minutes of getting into the house, two minutes, some, you know, just a few minutes. But. Sometimes we'd be in the house. It would we'd be playing on amateur. We'd be in the house, and it would be like I would go around and talk to everywhere in the house to try and get this ghost to come out. And I swear, I don't know if it was like the mechanics of the game or if I'm doing it wrong, but like the ghost would never come out. And then by the time the ghost finally comes out, we're all at like two percent sanity, and then the ghost just kills me. And so I'm like, okay, well I can't really figure anything out now, you know? Yeah, right. I think. That happened to us actually when we were playing together. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. We, we like went around the house. I went everywhere around the house, talking to the thing, like putting down all like things you need to put down for every little thing, and we, I couldn't find anything. And I'm just like, that's that's what that's what was boring. I'm like, is this gonna be the one where I'm like gonna be able to figure out what the ghost is, or are we all just gonna die and lose all the money, and then like that was all for naught? Right. Yeah. No, but I I totally agree with like. I, I hope that they return back to it and they improve the game for sure. Cause I think the concept is really great. Um, and, but I, I do share your sentiment of like, yeah, there are parts of this game that, you know, could be better and kind of get a little monotonous and a little frustrating, especially for players who want to figure it out and to like, you know, figure out the challenge and aren't just there for the experience of getting, getting terrified, you know? Um, yeah. It's super interesting. The game is great on paper. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. It's great on paper for sure. Yes. And I, I totally, I, I have been challenged recently actually to find good horror games that give me that same, uh, immersive experience of, of being terrified. Um, because I have found recently, and I don't know if this is like age, I don't know. I never remember having this issue, but recently, um, like any kind of, what do you call it? Like it's not over the shoulder, but it's like first person, you know, like, um, those kinds of things make me third like third person. Is it third? I don't know. It's like third where person. the camera is second, you... second person <laughs> for it's almost third person, almost third person. You're like right behind. No, third it's person, a... you can third person. You can see like your entire character, but second person, I think is the correct term where it's like just a little like you're basically behind the person's camera angle. Okay, so not that one. It's it's when you're like looking through their eyes. Oh, first person. First yeah, person. first person. Right. I'm glad we established first, second and third person, though. That's nice. Um, <laughs> but first person, um, I get motion sickness from it. And that for me, like wipes out a lot of like horror games for me 
And it makes me so sad because it's only been recently that I've really experienced that. And apparently that is a common reaction to feel motion sickness, um, especially when you're playing little indie games and stuff that don't have the same calibration or whatever. Um, And so I've been really into like top-down RPGs and others. um, But there's something about that first-person experience that like really immerses you and and terrifies you and gets you into the story that others don't. So if you guys find <laughs> any kind of games that aren't first person that are just terrifying games, please let me know. I'm always open to that because this is a new challenge of mine that I have recently um experienced and uh I still want to I still want to experience the terror of horror um without getting you know motion sickness it's terrible especially as a streamer by the way i don't know if you guys have experienced this but like when you're not feeling good and you're streaming it's the worst thing in the world let me tell you worst experience hated it i was like i need to get through this game but man i don't feel good right now like (laughs) and i think that actually happened first in amnesia the dark descent to be honest and i think people have reacted that way to that game is just getting motion sickness from that. And then it also happens in um, uh, Amnesia Rebirth too. It was just terrible. It just makes me so sad. Anyway. Maybe it's a part of the experience. It's part of the experience. <laughs> You're supposed to feel how the actual character feels like physically. Yeah, sick, sick to your stomach the entire time. Yeah, okay. Well, I like to be immersed. I don't like to be that immersed in my games, to be honest. So anyway. Well, that's all I got for um, horror. Well, Puppet, thank you so much for doing all of this research. I know that indie horror is a genre that you love very much. So thank you again for for uh, putting all this together. Yeah, you've got the next podcast, though. I'm tired, yo. <laughs> all right, sounds good. <laughs> and think- tapped out. Yep. <laughs> yep, this is it. We, we did two podcasts in a row. You met the yearly quota. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well thank you so much for tuning in to the game raven review podcast i have been henry j and you can find me on twitter and twitch at super henry 64 i stream uh just random crap every monday at 7 30 p.m pacific standard time uh bro Tuzak, where can people find you you can find me on any handle twitch twitter instagram at b-r-o-t-u-z-a-k bro Tuzak. That's where right. I'll be playing roguelikes, roguevanias, indie games, wearing 10 sunglasses on my head, the works. <laughs> and Taz, where can people find you? So you can find me at TazTDevil3 on a bunch of virtual platforms. I do stream on Twitch every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, each day being their own day at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the weekdays, 9 p.m on saturdays for spooky saturday so hope to see you there and of course puppet puppet master n that's puppet master en and you can find me on all the socials with that handle um and i am also on twitch i stream my schedule recently changed actually so on fridays at 6 p.m i do indie demos on the game raven review twitch channel and um I also added a new um, morning stream because uh, apparently I have friends over on the other side of the world that asked if I could do some daytime stuff. So um, I now stream um, Saturdays at 11 a.m. 
uh, Pacific time. And uh, again, on Saturdays at 7 p.m. for Spooky Saturday and Sundays at 7 p.m. And then also we do have um, Raven parties on the Game Raven Review um, Twitch channel. And that always starts on Mondays at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And you can find me there generally, too. That's super fun. So that's me. And as always, find us on Twitter and Twitch at GameRavenReview and GameRavenReview.com. And join our Discord. It's on GameRavenReview.com. Check it out. Come talk with us. We'll talk with you. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you next time. PS5 controller is the best. Game. Game.